You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Ng. Joyce, we have so much to do today. So many emails. Uh, dozens. Or more than a dozen. Or just dozen? Like, almost dozen. two dozen, maybe. A little less. Baker's, you know, Baker's dozen. Baker's dozen? Yeah. Uh, emailed at slugfest at goldderby.com. But we're not going to start with emails, Joyce. We're going to start with Killers of Flower Moon. It's finally here after months and months. More like years. Years. Let's be real. Years. Remember how pressed everyone was last summer when it was being delayed and people didn't believe it because they didn't want to believe it? Yes, it was uh, on background. It was reported. Remember, that yeah, was a whole that's thing. That's a real a thing of, on background. It doesn't need of, to be on the record. A lot of background. journalism 101 uh, yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's finally coming out for real on Friday. I got tickets to see it Saturday. I'm seeing it a third You're time. You're going to see it for a third time. You're going to spend 10 and a half hours of your life seeing this movie. For a movie that's, I'm like, it's good, but it's not like well, good. Okay, enough. wait. Also, what time are you seeing it on Saturday? Well, I'm going with my my, my old friends who we've seen a lot of Martin Scorsese movies with, including The Irishman, which we saw when it came out. Uh, we're going to go in the afternoon. I think like wow. a three, like a 3.30 maybe it is. And then uh, go to dinner that's after it. That's so a, dinner will be about eight o'clock. Yeah. I mean, that's fine for a dinner. Not not a super late dinner, but that's still a large part of your day. It is. I don't know how people would see it at night, but I guess we'll find out when it comes I've out. talked about this with um, someone in the industry who, mm-hmm. um, this was a couple of weeks ago, who had okay. not seen it yet. And their concern was exactly that. Like, I want to see this movie, but not at night because I want to go to bed at like, 10, 11. <laughs> I, I was talking to someone who also is in the industry and they were saying maybe they'll have to take off an afternoon from work and go see it at like noon mm-hmm. and try to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, I've only seen it once. Uh, I have no plans to see it again in the theater, but when we saw it together the first time, first time for you, the only time for me back in June, it was in the morning. Um, And that is great. Because it's three and a half hours long, but you still have the rest of the afternoon and the day to yourself. But I, that's also not feasible for most people. <laughs> when I saw it a second time, uh, I went at five o'clock. Even that felt a little late because by the time it was over, yeah, that's almost nine. Well, so I was also talking about this with one of my friends um, in real life, a normie who has no plans to see it. Right. Um, but we were talking about like how it's kind of like a five or six hour ordeal it for is. someone to make this effort to see this movie, you know, because you have the movies three and a half hours, you have to build in commuting both ways. And then you have like 30 minutes of previews. Yeah. So, uh, and I was reading an interview, Marty, uh, Marty Scorsese has been doing a lot of press Joyce. Well, I'm he's like- the only one who can, I mean, Props to him, you know, 80 years old. He has to carry all the marketing on his back without his actors. So I think I was thinking of this. Really, I still think he would be doing all of this because the only actor I think would be doing a lot more would be Lily. I just don't think Leo yeah, and Robert no, De Niro but like doing he, he, I'm saying like he literally is the only person who can do this. Right. But I so. feel like he would be doing it anyway. He would, but like he has no help. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay, I see. I see. Uh, big interview with him in The New Yorker. And he was talking about the original script was, was over 200 pages. So like this, this is one of their talking points this season about yeah. the rewrites of yeah. the script. So he writes, he said, uh, this is to Richard Brody, who actually was at the screening I went to when I saw it a second time. So I could say I was in the room 
when Richard Brody got to see Flower Moon. The first two hours, we were moving along. The second two hours, boy, this is getting a little long in the tooth, as they say. It was just getting to be, we really ran out of energy in the story. And I wanted to tell more and more of the story. And I wanted to do more digressions, to go off in tangents, so to speak, what seem like tangents, but are not. So then they were like, oh, we're going to change the whole thing. And they've talked about this a lot. They've, they've talked about this a lot. Like Eric Roth talked about this, I think, a year ago. Um, well, when that, that was when it was revealed that it won't be from the POV of the FBI and Leo was not playing Tom White. Yes. You know, so. The issue with this, and we've talked about this before in terms of like the expectations you're setting by saying a lot of these things, certainly with like the Lily, Lily Gladstone performance uh, and the depth of uh, great performance. But again, I think if people are like, oh, it's a, like when they see this movie this weekend, I think there will be people being like, I, you know, she's not in it as much as I expected based on what people have said, right? Like that kind of thing. And so we've gotten this too at the premiere, the Osage uh, language consultant, Joyce, I know you saw this too, Christopher Cate, uh, had a really, really thoughtful, I thought. Uh, great, critique. great answer, Rebby. And I love that um, the Hollywood Reporter reporter let him speak on the red carpet, uninterrupted and share his thoughts, which you don't really get a lot on red carpets, especially when it's just kind of like move along, you know, quick, quick soundbite. Yeah. And I would say, I thought, I thought this was really, really solid. And I don't even think, I mean, who knows? I mean, if Martin Scorsese will be asked about this in, in the future, but I actually think he would probably agree with a lot of this because I don't think the goals of the, I think the goal of the movie is set in this comment. And I think, but I think if you were listening to a lot of the press about, you know, Molly being the heart and soul of Lily Gladstone, maybe you would have been a little thrown. But anyway, here's the quote. He said, as an Osage, I really wanted this to be from the perspective of Molly and what her family experienced. But I think it would take an Osage to do that, he said. Uh, Martin Scorsese not being Osage, I think he did a great job representing our people. But this history is being told almost from told almost from the perspective of Ernest Burkhart, the Leonardo DiCaprio character. And they kind of give him this conscience and kind of depict that there's love. But when somebody conspires to murder your entire family, that's not love. That's not love. That's just beyond abuse. I think in the end, the question that you can be left with is how long will you be complicit, complacent with racism? How long will you go along with something and not say something, not speak up? How long will you be complacent? And I think that's because this film isn't made for an Osage audience. It was made for everybody, not Osage. For those that have been disenfranchised, they can relate. But for other countries that have their acts and their history of oppression, this is an opportunity for them to ask themselves this question of morality. And that's how I feel about the film. Now, having read a lot of Martin Scorsese interviews, I think that's exactly what he was trying to bring forth you know i don't think that's an incorrect read of the film at all no it's it's a a very well considered nuanced take um and obviously the this went viral yesterday on tuesday um yes. the premiere was monday and you know a, a lot of or not a lot but like some reactions to it was just like oh this is a white saver movie it's it's not um it's it's basically this is also something that the movie reckons with at the end um like martin scorsese makes an effort directly to di directly address yes. telling the story through yes. a white lens like he understands that he is not and he's talked about this in the press too like mm -hmm. he, he knows he is not the right person to tell this story but he still wants this story to be told and this is the best way he can tell it and this movie is not made, it's not supposed to be the definitive piece of art about this tragedy, right? But it's going to be the first major piece of art about this tragedy. And he wants it out there. And 
um, like Chris's response and everything, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's really about how this movie uh, shows what art can achieve and the limitations of art. Like not every artist can do everything. Like we all like to believe that, you know, like Scorsese's the GOAT, like he's the master, he's the best. And like, he did really make a really great picture about this. But, you know, as Chris says, like, he's not Osage. And this this movie is not made for the Osage audience. It's made for non-Osage people. And it's to shine a light on this atrocity and what it means to turn this atrocity into art. Like, this is, like, this is all in the movie. And also, you know, like, history, um, like, and this the way we tell history, it's like it's empowered, it's or like it's told by people who are empowered to tell it, right? And it's usually white people throughout history, white men. So we've had that um forever, basically. So uh it's like hopefully maybe like from this movie we'll have in the future like actual Osage filmmakers tell this story in their way, um, from the perspective of an Osage um like it's true what Tris says that the movie is primarily from Ernest's point of view like it's really about his character being corrupted um by his uncle played by Robert De Niro and yes he does have to enact murder and murder his wife's family <laughs> you know I it's largely from his POV so like all that is true and it's um and I think it's also important to know that like these are just Chris's complicated feelings about the movie, which he says, and um, he never says like the movie is bad. You know, like I think he likes the movie and appreciates what what Martin Scorsese did in the movie, and he's just pointing out, um, you know, just the limitations of what he can tell. And I also appreciate that, um, you know, he's not being muzzled by like Apple or Paramount or whoever to just like fall in line and just rave the movie to high heavens and it's like oh Martin Scorsese is the perfect person to tell this story like he did a perfect job you know yeah I totally agree with that I was like I thinking too I mean I forget where I read in one of the interviews with him because he's done so many interviews it's hard to so many hard, hard to keep up but I and like it's like yeah obviously he's talking about like the same things in a lot of them giving similar answers and then you just conflate all of them so one of the things I two things I thought of this a I don't disagree with him saying that they give Ernest some kind of conscience and that kind of depict that there's love. I would, the only art, only thing I would say, not pushback on that, but I've seen Scorsese talk about this and also like members of Molly and Ernest's family, it feels like have said that they felt there was love and that Scorsese yeah. said that was one of the things that sparked him when they had one of their big initial meetings with a lot of the members of the Osage community. They said that, like that was something they had talked about that Molly and Ernest did love each other, even through the whole thing. And so, like, I can understand not thinking that that's a depiction of love, obviously, but I also think, like, based on the available information, there maybe was, and that's how kind of he decided to take it. And then the other thing was, like, certainly, I, I honestly think it might have been, I was trying to think, it might have been when, like, he talked to GQ and Timothy Chalamet. Did you watch that this week? Because they did an ad of for Chanel. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, great. He should host, I think. He was so cute, I thought. Really fun. Um, yeah, and then the the entire GQ profile. Might have been the GQ profile, but he was talking about like how basically like 
uh, it's basically like a lot of his stuff, like depiction and his endorsement. He was talking about how like he was told like recently about like a faction of people who uh, who love Wolf of Wall Street at the New York press screening and then like hated it because they were a lot like Martin Scorsese wasn't being like these guys are bad guys. And I still have those conversations like there are still people who don't understand that movie 15 years later. And this is the same kind of thing where or I 10 think years like, later. <laughs> what's that? 10 years later, 10 years later. Uh, it's the same kind of thing with this, I feel like, where it's like, yes, like you're watching Leo and all these people do these terrible things and everybody is complicit because they're all allowing it to happen. And I think the idea of the movie is for you to say, like, I mean, like Christopher kind of says here is to be like watching this and be like, why is this okay? And why was I allowing this? Like, and how and why did complacent? we never talk about it? Right. It was... I, I think that is the goal of the movie. I, I will say this, this quote, like you said, went viral because I think people were hoping that it was like, a member of the movie slamming the movie and then he's it, not slamming it at all no, but it also gave people who were like on the fence i saw like at least two tweets where i was just like no uh but you're just going to use this to like get your like shots in because you want to like kind of bring down you don't like they either yeah. didn't like the movie or like kind of like kind of virtue signal and it's like it's kind of like saying like see someone who's involved in a movie doesn't like it either it's like no he's he didn't say right. that at all right because uh, also you gotta stop looking at like like movies as just like black and white and like good or bad like we are we should have complicated feelings about movies and discuss them and like I may like something that you don't like and vice versa and you know it doesn't mean like either of us is right or wrong it's just subjective um and then he also has this additional perspective from it because he is Osage he was also the Scorsese. I think it was in, I really think the Chalamet interview was great. No offense to Richard Brody, who also did a great interview. But man, Chalamet really killing it. But I think they talked a little about moralizing and art in that as well. And yeah. how it's like nowadays, like people want moralizing art. Yes, they Scorsese want. doesn't do that. Yeah, they want to be like things are bad told how to feel and like handheld and like being told like so and so is good and so and so is bad because the other thing one of the other reactions to like chris's quote was that um the read was like oh like they're making leo's character Ernest into a sympathetic character and like they don't do that at all yeah when, when like, he's a completely say, pathetic moron he sucks movie. like he sucks yeah. and i was like uh the character sucks and like is like you're not into i don't think you're rooting for that guy at all no not at all like so, he's a total weasel he has no yeah. he's completely spineless yeah. and that's actually kind of like why i think molly falls for him a little bit because he seems so completely non-threatening you know well i also think he's so honest in his his like is not misery what's the word i'm looking for? he's just like very much like he's not trying to pretend he's anything other than what he is right like, and that doesn't she has a she has a line right where she's like oh he's he's like good looking like basically like he's stupid but he's good looking yeah but, like i mean honestly yes and it's like that stuff actually sells why she likes him right yeah. he's a tra he's leonardo it's like yeah i will believe that you think leonardo DiCaprio is good looking yeah I, I got that even with his giant head he's still pretty good looking uh listen so. our heads get bigger when we get old so I will say like, this is a good year for movies. I think in general, we've seen a lot of, you, you, we both saw a lot of movies over the last week. You saw way more than me. But so many movies. So many. And I would say like, a lot of these are great movies this year, A, because they're like not moralizing movie. They're not like telling you what to think from Oppenheimer to like four things. I think there's a lot of good movies this year where the directors and the filmmakers are like going for nuance rather than like thud and dull points. Yeah, um, um, I'm like, well, I think like this weekend, like opening weekend 
for Flower Moon, I think, you know, obviously all the, the cinephiles and Marty stands will go out in full force to see it. And I would expect the majority of the reaction to be positive. Yeah, you I'll know. be curious. I actually am very curious. To see, I, I'm excited to come back next week and tell you what my friends thought because, like, they're not the biggest moviegoers anymore. We used to be a lot. We used to go all the time. Now they are old and they watch stuff at home. Yeah, I mean, none of my normie friends honestly have any plans to see this movie. <laughs> so, like, I'll be curious to see what like a real audience thinks of this. Um, yeah, yeah, that's like you know someone who has like like no no skin in the game, you know. So. Uh, Joyce, you were goofing on, we, we saw American Fiction yesterday. We were not going to talk about that in detail, but while afterwards we were chatting in the street and you were goofing on me because I immediately made a change to my actor picks. Well, let's backtrack for a second. Um, <laughs> because when you, after we saw Maestro two yes. weeks ago, yeah, you uh, put in Bradley Cooper, as I predicted. And, I and then Bradley, you and would I drop Leo. Yes. And then I also said in 10 to 14 days, you would put Leo back in. And so are we uh, at are we at 14 days then? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's two weeks. So uh, and so you so you did do that. And um, American fiction, great film. Um, so good. And you also put Jeffrey in. So that means you have to drop someone else. So I dropped, here's what I did. I put Leo in. I put Jeffrey up in second. I still have Bradley winning. And I have uh, Coleman Domingo and I drop Paul Giamatti. I just think one of these guys is going to miss. And while the holdovers is absolutely from what we've seen and heard people talking about uh, a stronger movie, certainly than Rustin, a lot of support for holdovers out there. A lot of boomers and a lot of young people who want to be boomers. It seems like are into this movie. Uh, But I just think that it's easy to imagine Paul Giamatti not getting in and then Colm Domingo getting in, even though he might be a low nominee for that movie. Uh, and I think it could just be like the, because people love him so much and because it's like a historical biopic that has in the past kind of like led to more awards uh, juice than just a conventional drama. I'm going to keep him in and I put Leo in instead of Paul Giamatti. Um, yeah, I made no changes. I do think those are the top six. Yeah, well, they're, they're definitely the top six in the odds. I think yes. so. I mean, that's so like, like I think I think it'll be kind of I think maybe is like Andrew Scott in seventh, probably. I'm I guessing. feel like I yes, know. but I feel like let me look. Jumani's like, in fifth, Wright is in sixth somehow. So I feel like once people start seeing American fiction, Wright will go way up. And, yeah, like I, I have Jeffrey in, um, and I dropped. Coleman I, I mean I did this before I saw right. either of them I've seen both of them now yes. um and I I can see Paul missing I've considered dropping Paul to have both Jeffrey and Coleman in so um one of the things that reasons I was also dropped Paul instead of like Coleman and you're not to make too much of a big like I was tell me if you think this like I was like the character Jeffrey Wright plays in in American fiction is not too dissimilar from the type of character Paul Giamatti plays in the holdovers. And I think there's room for both of them to get in certainly, but I think if you're going, putting those two actors and performances and their narratives next to each other, I just think Jeffrey has an edge on that. And I just feel like the, not the worst thing, but like the fact that the character is like similarly curmudgeonly and goes through like a emotional kind of reckoning or whatever 
uh, helps. It just feels like that movie is going to, even if Holdovers gets more nominations than American Fiction, I think American Fiction is a stronger movie. And I just felt like the two of them together, they could both get in, but I felt like maybe they wouldn't. That was why I dropped them. Um, I I definitely can see people viewing Paul's performance as kind of you know not not surprising I guess is the word I don't know whereas they they might be surprised by Jeffrey's performance because he's very funny in it and he gets to do more <laughs> um I, and... I think he does I mean overall and we don't need to talk about that movie too much but I was just like Paul has a great scene or two great few scenes, I think, towards the end of the film of Holdovers. Yeah. Um, When he meets, it's one when they go to Boston. I thought that scene when he's got like, he meets an old friend. I thought that was a great moment. And then later at the very end, there's like a great scene. Yeah. Jeffrey, I think, has the whole thing throughout and gets to show a little more. He gets to be very funny. And then it's like, it's kind of. I, I feel like he gets like more range, I guess, in the performance, whereas Paul's is probably more steady throughout. And and it's a different Academy, obviously, but are we sure, and Jeffrey Wright is obviously never nominated, but are we sure like there's like a, we got to nominate Paul Giamatti for best actor after doing him wrong for sideways push from the Academy? I'm not sure that there is. I mean, I don't, I mean, that's never been my reasoning for predicting. Not that, yours, but, but I think that's like probably broadly a lot of people's reasoning. I do think that. I don't think anyone even remembers that because it's almost 20 years ago now. I think people do remember, but I don't think Academy members remember it at all. um, I don't think they care. No, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think any any people in the Academy remember that from 20 years ago. And then they get up nom the next year for Cinderella. Right. So Um, I I put Leo back in, which I mean, I'm sure David L., our our frequent emailer and commenter on YouTube is going to be thrilled because I think he said I was a moron for taking him out. So now he's back in, Leo. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. You're just very fickle and very hasty with your feelings. Well, it, um, it's, it's that, yes. And, yes, and. Uh, I just felt like, I just feel like one of these big perform. I think one of these big names are going to miss. And I just was like, it's like trying to guess what you're trying to like pick against. I mean, like, someone the from spread. the six is going to miss. So. Yeah, but I think one of like the big, like, I think if Coleman Domingo missed, I think you'd be like, people would be like, sad, but like also like we said it's a lone nominee or whatever you know what i mean it's not like it wouldn't be shocking but i think if paul giamatti or like leo missed people would be stunned because i think it's just going to be like those movies are going to be much stronger obviously but i do think like paul giamatti or leo could miss based on this list um so i'm going to keep paul giamatti out for now and put leo back in i think i'm gonna hold on paul for now because uh i'm not as hasty as you um but I think his chances will really depend on a lot on how strong the holdovers is throughout the season. Like if it's, I mean, it could win original screenplay, you know, and it could win supporting actress. Um, so I, I think that, I think it will depend on a lot on that. Like if it, if it shows some like weaknesses, I, I definitely can see him missing and I think like I don't also don't feel great about Jeffrey because you know as we've said before um like Orion a lot of trouble like MGM a lot of trouble in recent years getting acting nominations 
So that's definitely a concern. I felt like that too. But having watched the movie, I'd also argue they haven't had a movie that's this broad appealing on that list. You know what I mean? Like they should have gotten in other people. Certainly like Licorice Pizza and certainly like House of Gucci or Women Talking. Like there's a lot they left on the table in theory. But none of those movies are as watchable and down the middle as this one. I think this movie would have a better word of mouth. Um, yes. So they also push back the the release um, to December, which I actually think is maybe in this case smart because they're already like we saw it this week. They put out a trailer this week too, which we could talk about later. We actually have an email about that trailer, so we'll talk about it later. Um, I think that's smart because that gives them a lot of runway to start screening it. It's going to be at a lot of regional festivals too, I think, coming up. So I just feel like that gives them a lot of like that. Actually, is not a. It's not like a bike riders getting pumped off the calendar and then still think fingers crossed coming out this year. We're going to move it from December 1st, uh, but we're going to still try to release every time. It would just be, you know, limited Christmas. Why January? If the strike, <laughs> I guess, ends like in a week, I, I just have a hard time believing that's going to come out. But so I was like, I agree. That's a reticence I have too, but I'm also like, I'm not going to bet against the movie. And I also think Jeffrey Wright has such a good narrative that people, and he's worked with so many people over the last like yeah, five like years. he's also someone. I mean, I think you know one of the the reasonings for Coma is like, oh, people love him and want to see him nominated, right? And I'm like, you could say the same thing for Jeffrey, you yeah. know, like, highly respected veteran, never nominated, you know. I, I'm trying to think if I did anything else with Flower Moon. I still have, I think I have Lily. I still have, uh, I still have De Niro. Obviously, love him, but, but I you saw didn't people him or Lily up. I didn't move De Niro up and I well, still you have... do so after you see it a third time this weekend. I don't think so because I just think it's a tough group. And I still have uh I still I think I moved Lily up to second though. Like everybody else. Um only because wow, just the... did you like abandon Carrie or you moved her down? I just moved her down. I did abandon someone from this category. We could talk about it later, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I think I did everything else. I might have put it. Did I put it back in editing Flower Moon? I think I did. No, well, you we also talked to some Flower Moon people this week, so you gotta predict it for more awards now. Well, I had I talked to the casting uh, director Ellen Lewis and then uh, Renee Haynes. Ellen Lewis has been working with Martin Scorsese since New York Stories, Joyce. So that's a long time. Uh, and Renee Haynes is a, a real expert or prolific and works a, a, almost not exclusively, but does so much for indigenous and first nation actors and like has cast movies like Prey and Twilight New Moon and worked on like Yellowstone for, for their Native American actors and stuff. So she's got like a deep Rolodex and experience with that. The, and they the, were just the cast, I mean, obviously the, the focus on the cast is like the three um central characters right the three leads basically but the the rest of the cast is really great and, and i'm not talking about like jesse plemons and so brendan Fraser. Do you have like an all the petty ensemble? criminals are great <laughs> do, you, do you have an ensemble for sag i i do we talked about this i still have it there um but i i can totally see it missing like it feels like it'd just be one of those films that just gets the you know three individual nominations and not ensemble I, I have it missing, but I really want to put it in because I was just like, man, it's such a great, there's so many like, like literally like first time actors in it. That's the thing I'm like reticent because I'm like, I feel like SAG like values, like a lot of famous people just thrown together in a cast. But this is like, 
like you said, there's like two, three famous people, Lily Gladstone, who I think a lot of people obviously know now, but is not like super famous, or at least not yet. And then a lot of like first time actors who are just amazing. Uh, so good in this that they just I know, but like those those people they're they're not going to be officially part of the nomination because they right. don't have their title cards right. So so they'll just get a certificate right. Um, so I was like, I, I, but that was great. And I talked to Jack Fisk, Joyce, the legendary great Jack designer. Fisk. Did you tell him to tell Skylar that I love the Babysitters Club? I didn't. Wow. And I would have. I would we talked. We talked about this in Slack. I would have picked Orange County for my Skylar Fisk uh, because that totally would be your reference point yeah. for her. But um, real um, ones know that it's the babysitter's club uh jack Fisk did so much work in this movie and he said a lot of stuff like like a thing i love about flower moon and a lot of movies this year is they look like real movies choice i'm going back into the idea of movies should be real movies not tv movies and uh flower moon is a real movie because they just went out there and he built the whole town and built houses and he was like it makes it so much better because the actor is just on the set and you're like it's the set is the house you live in this house and he did so much research and they found so many, like, if you think like it's stuff that you don't even really maybe think about, but remember in flower moon, there's like so many old cars found like almost 150 old cars. And well, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised by the old cars. Cause I feel like we see that in a lot of period pieces anyway, but I think like the, yes, like the, the living spaces and the quarters are very, I don't know lived in i guess you the, can other, say. the other thing he did he talked about and he talked there's a great new york time if you're a big fan of jack fisk and you don't want to watch me interview him which i would not blame you uh though it was nice uh is there's a great new york times profile and i mean he talked about how they even down to the dirt they like tried to make it appropriate to the error the era excuse me uh of, of the, the the ground so it looked like it looked so they they what like decayed to 100 years ago <laughs> Well, he was like a lot of it was like unearth, like going down a layer on the soil, and then also like looking at how it looked in photos and figuring out how much it should look like in like black and white photos, and how it looked in like color and stuff. It's just like fascinating. Every like little tiny detail, just completely like you know thought through. It's kind of wild that he only has two nominations and like i don't even think he's gonna win this year i don't even know i mean like it's 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 a tough one i do i have barbie winning that i don't even know what i have i have barbie winning because i was like i actually think the production on in barbie is incredible because it's like making it look like all of that stuff i felt like it was like really cool and then handmade and and playing off the soundstage and making it like like leaning into the fact that you're on a soundstage rather than making it look like it's supposed to be real you know i thought that was like really great yeah, I have Barbie in first. I have Flower Moon in fourth. <laughs> I have it in third. Um, but it would be great to see him get nominated, obviously. Um, what else, Joy's on Flower Moon? Anything else? Anything else you saw this week about it? About I mean, just a ton of Marty stuff. You know, he deserves a nice rest after this week. Um, you know, I I think I what are the the box office projections? I thought like 20 million, maybe. Yeah, that's what I like 24 or something. Has it changed? I haven't seen it change. I, I If it got to 20, I think that'd be pretty impressive for three. Yeah, that, that'd be like a big win. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'm actually less interested in the opening weekend and more curious about how a the legs. the legs and then when they're actually going to put it on Apple. What, what did I read where it, like we know it's like promised at least 45 days. I thought that too. So if oh. it's 45 days from now, that would be like around Thanksgiving then it's on Apple. Is that right? Like, let me see. 
Well, no. Or December first, yeah. I guess. December first, um, right? Twenty. It'll. I think they'll probably wait longer. Um, yeah, that would be about like December first or December eighth to have it on Apple. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think it will be wait longer too. Yeah, especially if if it has good legs. Um, yeah. So remember how how mad some people were when Barbie hit a uh, digital in September. People get mad about the dumbest stuff, Joyce. I know. <laughs> so Did you get dumb. your Barbie blue spray? I've actually got it in my Amazon card. I didn't buy it yet. Uh, wow. Did you, can you, can you pre-order Oppie yet? You can. I can't wait to do that. Three discs, Joyce, including a 4K. Three hours that the extra features are as long as the movie. That's why I was like, reticent. honestly, this is why I was reticent to do the Barbie one. Cause I'm like, there's really not a lot of special. It's like six, like Blu-ray, like DVD extras, like nothing crazy. And I'm like, Man, I want like a commentary or something, but we need to really bring back cast commentaries or just filmmaker yeah. commentaries. It doesn't have to be cast. Obviously, cast would be great, but it's well, not now. Definitely not now, cast commentaries. Um, but that's really been missing, um, especially in the streaming era. There's so, a whole thing, Joyce. You know, I love physical media. There's a whole thing uh, recently. Physical media is the greatest. And uh Best Buy, get out of here. Best Buy went off physical media. Not great, Bob, but uh that's all right. Uh, Joe, should we go to emails? I guess with so many. Sure. You can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. Uh, if we don't get to your email today, I will save it, I promise, and I will read it at another time. Uh, this one's from Ryan. Start with this one. Hi, Chris and Joyce. First of all, love the show. I enjoy Joyce's insistence on shoehorning references to tennis and the Olympics into the conversation as well as Chris's many completely insane movie opinions. The Girl Next Door, one of the best films of 2004, really? Really, yeah, it was great. Uh, my question, last year we saw a couple of contenders dominate the season so completely that there was no point in even discussing their categories. Examples were Kiyo Kwan in Supporting Actor, I know he lost BAFTA, but still, and Avatar The Way of Water for Visual Effects. Looking at the landscape for 2023, I don't see a contender in any category that is so obviously ahead that they will be positioned to sweep the year. I imagine Maestro is very likely going to win makeup, but even that I'm not 100% sure on. Who do you think could become a steamroller this year? That's from Ryan in, in San Antonio. Ryan, um, you're probably the only person who appreciates my tennis and Olympics references. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've kind of talked about this, right? Like nothing really seems super locked. So That's the only favorite. one I would think the only of, of what we can predict, the only one that I think is super locked. And actually the only one I think that will be locked for the whole time is Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse for animated feature. I just feel like, yeah, even with boy and the Heron getting like really solid notices, I think people have already checked out on that category. They're like, Spider-Man was great. It made a ton of money. I like the first one and that's it. I don't have to think about this anymore. Yeah. It's like, I, I think they're kind of lazy with that category too. Um, uh, especially with the whole academy building for the winner. And um, I do agree about makeup. We've talked about this too for Maestro. The other one I was thinking, and we can't predict this yet either, and who knows, I guess it might not even end up making it in. So it's hard to say. But documentary, I think if American Symphony is like there and Netflix is putting it out, that is definitely, I've not even seen it, but from it just, I feel like from every person I've talked to, that's like, especially in a year where there's maybe not, like a lot of big documentaries or like buzzier ones, like compared to maybe years past so far, that feels like one that could steamroll too. But I don't even know if it'll make the shortlist. So who knows, I guess. 
Yeah, we can't do any of the shortlist categories right. yet. Um, I don't know with like above the line categories. I really, I mean, last week we we ranked the ones yeah. we were most confident in, and we were not confident in any. And I'm like less confident in them now for the top six, and even screenplay. I don't think I'm really confident either. Oh, so. I'm not confident in any of the screenplays either. Screenplay. So, I, I and what about visual effects? I feel like so it'll be maybe like. There's not a lot of options. Oppenheimer, maybe. The creator, probably. I feel like people were really impressed by the creator, even though it kind of flopped. I still think that could be one that people are going to gravitate towards without Dune there. What else? Um, there could be, you know, like a an MCU movie getting in. Like maybe Guardians. Guardians or the Marvels. Yeah, I don't think it would win, though. No. Um, so, because they, they haven't given it to them um and aquaman the lost kingdom is that still coming out yeah oh yeah it's gonna (laughs) be great yeah nothing wrong with that no controversy with it at all nothing nothing wrong with that one's gonna come out totally clean yeah um yeah i i mean i also know like not a lot of people are confident oppie would even get into visual effects now i think it might now though I think, yeah, I think it'll, I, I don't know about winning, but I think it, it can get in. Um, But I don't know if that, it would steamroll. I don't think it would. So I don't know. That's another one that's not locked. Um, I, yeah, well, I don't really. It's changing like our tune stuff. by the time the movie, like by the time we get to like nomination stuff. But I do feel like this year is a little more open than certainly years past. And I hope it stays that way because as you know, it's boring as fuck. Oh. So we just bad. have team rollers. Like it was great, you know, very happy for Kiyu Kwan that he, you know, had his comeback and he won the Oscar. But it was great when he lost to BAFTA. <laughs> like that was kind of exciting, even though he, you knew he was still going to win the Oscar. I, I will say from what we've seen so far, and again, recency bias, the only actor I could see actually pulling a key is like Jeffrey Wright right now. I don't even think, I don't even have him winning. You just saw the movie. Yesterday. I don't even have him winning. I still have Bradley winning. But I'm just saying like, of these people who are potentially nominated for actor and actress and supporting actor and supporting actress, I could see a world where he is just like the steamroller. I mean, I already had him winning the Comedy Globe. Do you have him winning that? Do you I do. First? And I have him, I might have him winning SAG also. Oh, I don't even know. I didn't touch SAG. So, so I'm like, if there. he's going to win those, BAFTA maybe is tough. Like we know they're uh, not as much of a reliable bellwether anymore, certainly. Um, but I could see him doing going pretty far. Well, the other thing about this season is obviously BAFTA has six slots and also half juried um, with noms. And now Globes have six too on top of their split categories. Um, and then Critics' Choice, who knows how many slots they'll have. So basically SAG is the only other uh, like major precursor that's going to have five slots like the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these precursors aren't really gonna help be helpful in like revealing some things. And maybe, maybe snub wise of like someone couldn't get in with six slots, you know. Actor is gonna be really tough because like you said, there's only six, there's really six in contention, right? Yeah. So like- and then like Jeffrey and Paul will be in comedy at the Globes anyway. So pretty funny. Uh let's see next email here. This one's from Timothy. Longtime commenter, never posed a question until now, or question or perhaps points to ponder. 
First up, the color purple. I hope it works, but I have doubts. Meryl Streep voice. Uh, West Side Story worked. Cats, not so much. I think it'll be a popular pick, not critical. Thoughts? I mean, we haven't seen it, so I... We saw The Killer this weekend at New York Film Festival, Joyce. We did. I, I very much enjoyed The Killer. Great time at the old movies. Yeah, uh, it's afterwards... a dad movie. You know I love a dad movie. 10 10. <laughs> afterwards, I was talking to a couple of people who had seen Color Purple. Mm -hmm. uh, will not not call them out by name, but they were both saying uh, they were both saying uh, it's again, like we said, good and like should be fine. Uh, so I look forward to seeing it, but I am. I think it'll be more like West Side Story. I don't think it'll be personally. I love West Side Story. So I don't think it'll be good. At, if it's as good as West Side Story, that's great, but I don't think it will be. It certainly will be better than Cats, which is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. That's not not a high bar. No. So I think it'll be like those are pretty polar opposites in terms of musicals. I would say I think it will. I think it will easily clear the bar that Cats set. I and I was saying we've been talking about the cast. Fantasia certainly is a possibility, but like nothing. I just don't feel like people are, there's not even like whisper buzz going on for, for her at the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I am in my game of telephone. I haven't personally talked to the people who have seen the color purple yet, but I've heard from people who have talked to these people, not you, that um, you like, they're like, they loved um, like Danielle and Taraji and, you know, like Fantasia is good. So one of the people I was talking to also were like Danielle definitely felt like this the this the one of this group. The one. And also, the, she'll be the consensus. And the also was already like apparently there's been like industry like praise for her already. You know, whispering industry praise, not on maybe on the DL because of the strike or whatever. Who knows? But like like, like Andrea Riseborough style. I don't know if it's like that, but I definitely think people are like more excited about her. Again, this is just like all anecdotal people off the record talking. So I wouldn't, I would take- Those were not, not voting at all in these things. <laughs> Certainly not. But I would just say like that maybe is confirming the, I have Danielle in, I don't have Taraji in. I could see both of them getting in, but I think if only one gets in, it would be Danielle. That's my take on this. But if if they both get in, you feel like it'll be Danielle being the consensus. I think maybe. Taraji. I think so. I think Danielle um, would be the Jamie Lee Curtis and Taraji with the Stephanie Sue. <laughs> I I mean I I mean I, I at one point had Color Purple getting four nominations, acting nominations, and now I have two. Um so I I don't think I'll put Coleman back in in supporting actor. Yeah. Um I can see myself putting Fantasia back in. Like basically the only reason I dropped her is because her film is the only one that's not been widely seen yet. Right. So, I think if, if if I would put her in, uh, if yeah, once we see the film, I guess a little. So, what was your your big change in actress? Who did you draw? Well, I actually. So we'll, we can talk about the I, coming up. Well, I dropped uh, Sandra Huller, and I put wow. in and I wow. put in Annette Benning, and I dropped Anatomy of Fall from Best Picture, and I put in Zone of Interest, which you already had. So I have past live still in, and you have both zone of interest I, yes, and anatomy. I made no changes. Why? Why are you abandoning anatomy? Well, I was just looking at it, and you could tell me if my stats are. I, I when we when they when France announced that Taste of Things was going to be its nominee or, or or you know it's a submission, excuse me, and not Anatomy of Fall, Film Twitter was like outraged or whatever, even though. Taste of Things was also a pretty great movie. And a lot of people were like, and it won't matter. It, matter. <laughs> it won't matter. And Anatomy Falls still get a lot of nominations. But then I was looking and I was like, 
is it possible the last time uh foreign language or international film that wasn't the submission got nominated for best picture is is it cinema paradise or uh, il postino i mean is that really the last one that like, was not submitted um that was not submitted i don't, I don't and know I, we I, also we, we need a list of films that were submitted and like what wasn't so like i think il postino this is uh i was looking at this and it was like not italy's submission but it was a best picture nominee right like this is like back we did this one on oscars playback um, um yeah and so, so you're just using time against it well i'm just i'm not using time again i'm using like history against it because it hasn't happened almost in 30 years and so i don't think that would be that doesn't mean it can happen but i was like i think the zone of interest probably if if you had to pick one of those two i think the zone of interest would have the leg up because it'll be a submission and also it's about a topic that obviously the awards community has embraced in the past, but I think the submission thing is even bigger. And I don't know, like I could have them both back in, but then I'd have to drop past lives probably, or the color purple if it's not any good. So I still have like, I just think those are, that's the top 11 anyway. So I'm not like going crazy here, but then I took out Sandra Holler because I was like, she could easily get in, but I really wanted to put Annette Benning back in for Nyad. And I just didn't know who to drop. I just don't want to drop Margot Robbie, which I'm sure is like laughable for some people. But I just think like, man, she is great in Barbie. And I still think Barbie is like a top, top contender. Uh, I have Annette and Sandra both in. So you so. don't have Margot in though? No, I so haven't had her since like August. I know, that's the difference. I'm just not going to drop Margot yet. I just think like, I, th I can't imagine her not getting in if the movie is like a top five movie. And Sandra Holler- I, I just think it's kind of like, I, I don't know like I think the other like she's obviously like the lead of the movie um but I I do feel like as much as maybe she'll get number one votes from you know Barbie stands like you you're not a voter but you know what I mean yeah. I think you'll also get like similar like you know four and five slot votes too um that and then I, yeah like I'm I've been on Annette so my other thing is, is that I, I, I don't feel good about having so many acting nominees from Best Picture nominees. I, right. We've talked like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, from my picks, uh, my predictions, I only have um, two acting nominees who, from a movie that I'm not predicting to get into Best Picture. And that's Annette Benning and Jodie Foster, both from the same movie. Not yet. And I feel like there will be more, but at this point, I don't really know who those people are, you know? And so that's why I've had Annette in and also Jody. And then I think also perhaps to Annette's benefit is like that category is pretty young skewing of the top contenders. And I feel like she'll have a whole demo to herself as an elder stateswoman. Right. I, I actually I actually think that's very true. And with, with Sandra, I was just like, I just think Barbie is stronger. And I was like, I'm like a little concerned about Anatomy of Fall getting in now. I only have it in, because I took it out. Uh, I didn't have it in for a director. I had it in, I had Sandra picture and I had screenplay. And now I only have screenplay. Um, And I'd like to be proven wrong. But I just think that it just seems like there's slightly less of an, op there's slightly less of a reason for a voter who's like, I don't want to watch this stuff or whatever to watch the, you know what I mean? Like if you know, it's a submission, maybe you're going to pay attention to it more. 
And I know that that Neon will give it a big push. And like, it's obviously already out now, I think, in like limited release early or whatever. And it's a great watchable movie, like we said. Certainly more watchable than Zone of Interest. Uh, not a knock on Zone of Interest. But I, I think, I feel like it's just kind of a wash. Like the the whole, it wasn't the submission. I mean, like it's a, a, a can winner, you know? It's like, I think that's yeah. kind of- it just would be bucking history, it seems like, which doesn't mean it can't happen. It, history is meant to be broken, right? Like things that happen are meant to not continue to happen. So it could easily happen, but it would be like incredibly rare for it to happen based on what we've seen in the last like 25 Well, years. also now there are 10 slots, so. True, that's true. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, like I think it's, I, you know, I I think it's that it's like basically almost half in English helps it. Um Yes, I think that's true. And like we said, it's like a TV, it's like an HBO show. So that's great. All of that is makes it really watchable. But I also wonder if that'll help, like that'll hurt it in terms of passion. We could do, uh, Timothy's next question here was zone of interest, which I've been reticent to put in because I was like, who wants to watch this? When you were rightly saying like, it, the people who love it are going to say it's like a number one, right? And it'll have like a ton of support. And I don't know if Anatomy of Fall would have that same kind of support. But anyway, here, Timothy's for Zone of Interest says, I feel like it's going to be a little, it's going to be the little love of the Oscars to show that they're hip. Diving Bell and the Butterfly, Triangle of Sadness, et cetera, especially with the director's branch. Thoughts? Now you have Jonathan Glazer in the whole time and I just put him in too. So there you go. I I, I don't have Jonathan. I want him to put him. Oh, I you want don't? Him no. You did. Oh. I did. I, I took him out. I don't even know who I replaced him with, but- I don't, it's kind of like best actor for me where I have too many people and so I don't know. I, to... I put him in and I dropped Alexander Payne who I had in fifth. Like that's, I mean, that's who I have in fifth too, but I've also had him since what, I think when we did these in March, <laughs> I feel like you did. I, and, I need to stick with him. Um, and like I guess I, said, I dropped Justine Trier. Um, right. You, you Cause I'm have... not going to drop, I'm not going to drop the top three like Nolan, Marty, and Yorgos. So I have Greta Gerwig and you don't have her in. No, but that's another option for me too. So I have, you know, so. I have Nolan, Greta Gerwig, Yorgos, Martin Scorsese, and Jonathan Glazer now. Um, I dropped Alexander Payne because I was like, even though they love the movie, I'm also like, I think these other filmmakers all have probably, I just feel like, again, in a close race, like I don't know if Alexander Payne would be a number one for a lot of people. And I actually could see all these other people being number ones for some members of the branch. And you probably don't need a lot of number ones to get in based on the the, the amount of people in the branch. No, it's it's a very insular branch. I, I But like, I do think that's one of my issues or not issues, but like one of my problems with choosing someone is that like there are so many people here where you would assume have that type of passion to get in. So I know some people are also predicting, you know, just the solo director nom for Glazer and not picture. I, I put it for picture because like you were you've said, I think the people who love it are gonna say it's like a number one movie. Yeah. And um, don't need a lot of people to say it's a number one movie to get it in, basically. Uh, like, that's another, we got a trailer for that yesterday, was it? Or Monday? Yes. I don't know. This week. And, um, I think, and I think they did a good job cutting that trailer. To Yeah, it's a great trailer. And I think, like, I mean, like, it's an impossible, it's, it's not a consensus movie by any means, but it's also an impossible movie to dislike. Like, I don't dislike it. I think I was yeah, like. Yeah, it's just kind of like a, like a hard set. 
Yeah. yeah. The one thing I would say to its credit is it's only like an hour and 40 minutes probably. So it's not like overly long, uh, which is helpful when the material is so difficult. But I think it is a great achievement. I really think it could get in both picture now and director based on what I've seen. So yeah, like I want to put him back in. Like I, I want to put Coleman back into actor, but I can't. So maybe six slots next year. Last question from Timothy Joyce, who says Napoleon. I feel like it may be the coda all quiet on the Western front million dollar baby of the season, meaning coming in late and kicking ass thoughts. Joyce, we got a new Napoleon trailer moments ago. Um, Just like at the same time as Ferrari. Watch them. Two, both. Yeah. Um, I would say a Napoleon better trailer. Napoleon trailer kicks ass. I was like, fuck the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Ridley. I'm in. This is like, I just love like old school historical epic Ridley. This is just like so old school vibes. It looked great. Joaquin Phoenix is doing deadpan Napoleon, completely detached. Yes. And great take. Vanessa Kirby is just already on hand. She has like two line readings in the movie, in the trailer. And I was like, this is awesome. Maybe she could get in. I really think she could get her in. No, I didn't put her in, but I'm like, I think people will be uh, right now. I don't think anybody is really has her in. Let me look where she is in the odds. Does anyone have Napoleon in anywhere? (laughs) I bet you some people do. I mean, she's like a hundred to one in, in supporting actress. She's behind many people, including Eric Alexander, Sandra Haller for the zone of interest, Rosamund Pike. So like not really being widely predicted, but I think she could maybe get in if the movie. And I think, while I don't have it in a lot of the tech stuff, and this is a tough year for it in terms of like crafts because so many of the big movies are big crafts movies, I still think it can maybe surprise and get in a couple of places. I don't have it in anywhere, but the trailer is great. Like, yeah, for sure. Really like good. costumes. Yeah. Um, Production design or something, yeah, right? It, it was a good trailer for it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, it's lateness, I guess would help it at all and you know it could i guess if it's like it's tough with the late ones if it's not good it's gonna get killed right yeah i think it needs like good word of mouth um and it's you know like there's so many like question marks right now about it because it's 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 been hidden away (laughs) it definitely has not been widely screened at all and then also I've been unimpressed, not unimpressed, but I would say like when the lead, the lead Ridley stuff is the four hour version is going to be great. Yeah. Like he's already talking about the four hour cut. Like, not going to be the one that's released. That seems like not the best. That's not the best. I would just say like, I don't know. Like I'm excited to see the movie. I can't wait. But like, if you're already like this movie's fine, but the four hour version, now that's the shit. Yeah, watch, watch that one. The like, one that I want release. <laughs> <laughs> like okay well uh okay but the trailer is awesome and then the ferrari trailer too joyce that uh closed new york film festival uh last week yes um a good trailer yeah you neither know. one of us got to see it no i couldn't kind of make that one um uh, we're working on working on seeing it. it it doesn't come out for another two months i've time. heard uh the man michael mann fans absolutely love it and then uh, of course they do the manheads the manheads yeah. love it and then the people who aren't manheads were a little more mixed but a couple of people I talked to were very, very high on Penelope Cruz supporting actress. Which you already knew from Venice. So. But I don't have her in. Um, I have her in the Globes. I could totally see her being like a Globes only thing or a yeah. Globes and SAG only thing. So 
What did uh, you think of Adam Driver's accent this time? Uh, I wanted more. Hey, it's a me, Mario. You, you want You wanted more Gucci. Gucci. I wanted more Gucci. Yeah. But I heard it's a lot like. Who's the next Italian he's gonna play? I I was watching. You know, it's so funny. I was watching the other day. I just put it on for about twenty minutes. I was like, let me put Silence on. Martin Scorsese. Just just a light watch. And I was watching on my phone too. I was like, just as Marty what, intended. Why? Why? Just I was sitting here and I was like, what if I put it on? And he does like a, a Spanish accent in that. And it's like not far, very much dissimilar from uh, Adam Driver's Italian accent. I was just like, who decided Adam Driver should do accents? Um, that's This is why, you know, I mean, really talked about this with like Gucci when he's like, I, I don't, or like Last Duel, really. Like, it's like, I don't give a fuck about accents. Like, who cares? And we see in the, in the Napoleon trailer, Joaquin has no accent. He's just talking like I Joaquin love it so it. much. <laughs> and and Vanessa Kirby is talking like Vanessa Kirby, and it looks great. Uh, Joyce, here's an email from uh, Harold and Mott, our old friend, emailed oh. us at, at, at slugfestatgoldderby.com. Hi, Chris and Joyce. I know I haven't sent an email in a while, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. What I find to be very bizarre this season is how very few people people are making the case for Willem Dafoe winning Best Supporting Actor for Poor Things, considering how I think that film can probably win Best Picture. And he has a lot of screen time and makeup on. The Academy hasn't proved to be very nice to him over the years, but I think he could maybe gain some traction against RDJ, who has a great narrative of his own and is worthy, but I don't believe he's giving an undeniable performance by Oscar standards. Joyce, you were, this feels like music to your ears because yesterday when we were talking after American Fiction, you were very much uh, Team Defoe. I was. Um, yeah, I saw Poor Things last week. And uh, I feel like I prefer I prefer Willem to Mark Ruffalo of the supporting dudes who are uh, being named mm -hmm. as possible nominees. I feel like a lot of the, I think both are great. Uh, I love Ruffalo in it. Um, but I kind of feel like the the praise for him is maybe because people didn't realize he's funny. Yes. Like he is fucking hilarious in the movie. So um, funny. Like yeah, fall down so laughing funny. funny. But I loved Willem and I think he uh uh he it's a very um emotional mm -hmm. role and performance and it really um obviously he's the he's the scientist who reanimates Emma Stone. Um and the whole story that that arc really comes full circle in the end and he has you know just kind of like great moments throughout the film like he's not forgotten once she goes off frolicking around the world with mark ruffalo mm -hmm. you know so i i feel like his performance is perhaps more like heart tugging i guess and then like M mark's character just kind of disappears like his final scene you know mm -hmm. um and uh, i have both of them getting in i do have mark higher i don't have either of them winning i still have rdj in first but uh i would not be surprised if willem won i guess um i i also feel like a lot of people aren't really excited about the prospect of rdj winning i don't think they are at least not yeah. normies i don't know if the industry i mean the industry maybe well normies. i'm not talking about the industry i mean like like film twitter like a lot of people are just kind of because I, I feel like this kind of the narrative for him develop when the reactions for oppenheimer uh were you know were first uh 
came out in July and it was like RJ is great and blah 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 because you know before that a lot of the talk was about Matt Damon and then so then it became like oh this is like a great moment for RJ because it's like he's done with Marvel now he's like acting again in like real movies and then he said like this was like the best movie he's ever been in you know um so then I think that's how you know we all started predicting him to win right because before that it was Robert De Niro right in first place yes and um and I feel like a lot of people who are maybe not as into his performance in Oppenheimer or like don't want this to come true (laughs) don't want him to win I I also think there's a I mean obviously I think Ryan Gosling would have the film Twitter vote yes for sure or Ruffalo so I think he's like in third but I do think he's so good in it I put in Sterling K. Brown from American Fiction Choice, which we knew you knew I yes, would. Yes, you already said this yesterday. Yes. Uh, put him in for supporting actor. I could see, I took out Matt Damon finally, and I could see Willem Dafoe getting in clearly. But I think if American Fiction is like a big, as big as I would imagine, I think he could get in. But I, I would be, I guess I would be surprised if Willem Dafoe won only because I do think even if people are higher on him than Ruffalo. Like if you're not unique to this, right. And obviously Harold and Maude wasn't either. Um, I just think that's it. It's he's still too good to like, I think they would split their votes. I don't know. I don't think it would be like, I think, I think it would need to be, he would either need to just sweep or it would need to be a, like a divided race. Right. right? right. Where it seems like they don't really have like a runaway favorite at all, you know? Right. So. Um, but. Let's see. Next up, we got an email from Beth. Uh, Hi, Chris and Joyce. Thank you for being open to questions. I've been enjoying your show for about a year or so, so I can't claim longevity. A year's pretty good, Beth. Uh, But I will certainly continue to watch as I learn so much from your analysis. You remind me of Siskel and Ebert's PBS show sneak previews from back in the 70s. They were how I learned as a kid what to look for in a good movie. This relates to the topic of my question. I've been looking forward to the holdover since the trailer dropped. The storyline is very close to my heart, which is a big part of the anticipation. However, I've come to love Alexander Payne's writing and directing as the reason enough to see any of his films. It reminds me so much of, of the person that I consider the most underrated yet overrated uh, writer-director of the 60s and late to late 80s, uh, Blake Edwards. Edwards' films, when they were on, were direct hits, both at the box office and with critics. I feel that Blake Edwards fell victim to his own success and then Hollywood's golden boy became... Uh, because it became virtually impossible for him to have bigger hits in successive movies when its predecessors did so well commercially. So what will the holdovers have to do to bring Alexander Payne to the forefront and remind audiences that the kind of storytelling he does is so incredibly difficult because he makes it look so simple? Thank you, Beth. Well, Beth, bad news because I already took him out of Best Director. Um, I don't know. I think this movie will do really well at the Academy, though. Same. Um... I, I I mean, I still have, so I don't think he produced it either, right? He didn't write it, you know, that, write, but we talked about how people will think he wrote it. He yes. did not write it. I'm reading um, an article today in an, a brand I will not name, uh, but a very, uh, very prominent brand because Alexander Payne went viral this week for making some not great yes. comments, I would say, but I don't know how out of context they were taken, but the headlines didn't look very good. But anyway, in this, it says the holdovers writer-director Alexander Payne discussed the state of the film industry while at the Lumiere Film Festival. Uh, He didn't write the movie. No, um, but yes, like like I said, people will think he wrote it. Yes. Um, And yeah, he did not produce it either. So the only nomination he can get is directing. So 
I took him out because I just think, like we said, I think there's, it's a very insular branch. He's obviously been nominated, I think, four times. Is that right? Or three times? What has he been nominated for director? Um, All against Marty. Against against Marty. So it would be another one of those. But I was just like, I just think there's so much more. I think there might be more passion for those other directors. I think this is a really tough year of director. And I think he could be very well liked and the movie will be loved by a lot of people. But I just don't think there's going to be the passion to get him in. I, but I also kind of feel like they just kind of like him. Like they, he was yeah. nominated for Sideways, which was yeah. like, we knew it wasn't winning Best Picture. Like that was the classic. You're not winning picture or director, but you're going to win screenplay. And then like kind of the same thing with the sentence, although that wasn't as successful um, in the end. And then um, uh, Nebraska was his last one. So yeah. So I kind of feel like he still has his, uh, you know, he does friends and fans. He does. For sure. And I do think the movie will play well with the industry. Um, I think it'll play really well with the industry. So, but I don't think if he got in, I don't think he's winning. I definitely don't think he's winning. So, so maybe next time, Beth. But thank you for. Yeah, I mean, listen, he already has two Oscars, you know, not in directing, but he has two Oscars. Uh, let's see. This one's from Joe. Email this is slugfest at goldderby.com. Love your show. Been an Oscar watcher since I was a kid. 1989, the Snow White disaster year. Having watched Killers of the Flower Moon and loving it, I find it difficult to believe that Lily Gladstone has a shot at winning in lead. Supporting would have obviously been a lock. Obviously, the studio knows this. So the question is, is it the win or the integrity of the nomination that's more important? It's from Joe. I mean, I think that's a question for her that she obviously cannot answer right now. <laughs> so... I. I'd also say, while I don't disagree, we've talked about this, like she, it definitely is, I understand her decision to go for yes. lead, mm-hmm. but the character as it's presented in the movie feels like a supporting character. Yeah, if you were to give me the shooting script for what became the final cut of this film, and I just read it before this was cast or anything, I would still assume that that Molly, the character, was supporting you know i totally understand it's kind of it's the situation where molly is the most prominent female character of the film right yes she's the lead female character for sure yeah she's the lead female character who is married to the male lead who is the lead character of the film but her character is not the lead character of the film like i don't totally fine that she's going lead like that's who cares um but i guess um like I, I mean like I don't know I, I like maybe they they just want the nomination and lead like obviously it'll be historic um I don't know I I don't I, I guess I would the only thing I disagree with that is that I with Joe's I, I don't think it's I don't would not cross her off to win though even in no the- I think I think she can win I I don't think this is I, I don't think if they're if they just love her performance, they'll just vote for her. Like they don't hold these types of things like screen time or like narrative presence against actors like film Twitter does. I agree. you know when people take such a hard line on category fraud, they don't give a shit about that at no, all. I don't think so. they do. And I again, like what we've seen, like a lot of industry people seemingly love her in it and are like, this is one of the best performances I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of last year when, you know, like in the days leading up to nominations, people were like, what if the Academy revolts and 
uh, nominates Michelle Williams. I think there were some pundits who predicted her in supporting. Yeah. And I'm like, they're not going to do that. Like they were like, people were citing Lakeith, but that was such a unique situation that probably will never happen again. Like that was just such an open slot, you know, and no one cared about anyone else like Jared Leto and the little things. (laughs) So, but like if, if they just love the, the performance, the person, whatever Mm -hmm. aspect, um, like they'll they'll just nominate it or like the person in the category they want they're not going to take a stance to be like i love her so much but i think she's supporting no so no. i'm gonna nominate her in supporting like i think kate winslet was nominated in lead for the reader because they just liked the reader like that made best picture I <laughs> you know they the clearly reader. liked it more than revolutionary road <laughs> so I haven't seen the reader. Choice. This one's from Gina, who wrote to us at Slugfest at GoldDerby.com. Uh, GoldDerby.com. She emailed us previously. So she says, hey, Joyce and Chris, I want to thank you for your response to my previous email. I think it was about Coleman Domingo and Rustin, Joyce, to remember. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Coleman, though the AMPTP at the la- time of sending this email did make things more complicated now that they have decided to walk out of negotiations with SAG-AFTRA. But I'm hoping for a turnaround soon enough. Well, hope springs eternal, I guess, right? You know, that's good. Otherwise, two questions. I've seen people push back against the idea of 10 nominees in the Best Director category based on the notion that, quote, anybody can get in for lack of better words. And while I see where they're coming from, I would have to disagree. While I respect directors like Scorsese, Spielberg, Nolan, and etc., I always get a feeling that directors of color or newer, underrated directors in general, excluding international ones as of late, though there are exceptions, get naturally pushed out as a result. That and having only five slots for director when there are 10 for pictures, screenplay, and leading and supporting acting uh, feels pretty uneven. What are your thoughts on a potential best director extension at the Oscars? And hypothetically speaking, if this year got 10 nominees, which films do you think will benefit the most? You're definitely against this, Joyce. I know. Um, Yeah, I'm five slots for everything. So what I would say is I also agree five slots for director. The one thing I would add, it would be a first-time filmmaker Oscar, I think would be really cool. Like like DGA. Kind of. No, I mean I'm yeah. I'm fewer. I'm fewer. I'm for fewer things. I, I would do a first time filmmaker, uh, especially now, because I think there are so many exciting first time filmmakers, first time feature filmmakers, whatever. But I mean, like this year you would have like Core Jefferson and Celine Song in that category, right? At least. Right? Blitz Bazoule, would that count? I mean, like, is it his first major fe- it's his first major feature that he does uh the Black well, they, they'll, they'll just have to come up with rules for whatever they define that as. Right. But um, I mean, I, I I just feel like the, the adding of things <laughs> just kind of lessens the prestige you want to confer onto what you're giving out. Yeah, I think adding, I don't think it's like, I like the DGA first time filmmaker feature directing award. I think that's good. And I think that would be a great Oscar category because that would really open up a lot of things now granted then people could complain that oh we're only getting nominated in there instead of the actual best directing prize and blah 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 and i'm sure there would be a lot of discourse if this happened but i do think that would be pretty cool because that's a way to also it would be like giving an oscar for you know the idea of giving a short film oscar basically right it's like you're you're elevating these new voices or people who are like not like spielberg and scorsese um, and you could kind of do that again with the first time filmmaker award too if you did that and the fact that the dga already has it gives like a kind of like a baseline a little and like a template to follow so like based on those nominees in the past i don't think it's like embarrassing 
It wouldn't be like no. I do, I just don't think it would ever happen. And no. <clears throat> um, so, but like I agree that like the 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 directing branch is very clumsy. Yeah. You know, it's like you you got to be in the club. So um, then, or no people in the club. And then, based on the other part of Jeannie's question, this year I feel like would actually be an easy one. It would make our lives so much easier to have ten directing, which makes oh, it less yeah. fun. Like it's like there's the the people in the the back half who I could easily put into the top five. But so the top five right now are Nolan Scorsese, Lanthimos, Greta Gerwig, and Jonathan Glazer. Then it's Alexander Payne, Justine Trier, Celine Song, Bradley Cooper, and Blitz Bazoule, and Core Jefferson in eleventh. Yeah, like that would be a totally legit ten. Yeah. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, but like, I like the five because you have to make choices. With, yeah. with picture, so. Yeah. Uh, and then number two here uh, from Gina. I'm having this feeling that we're not going to see sweeps in any of the categories this year, like some people are predicting hoping. I feel like this is one of those years where multiple people in their respective categories have a chance of getting something, even if it doesn't lead to an Oscar. This is obviously a case at the Golden Globes, but I do mean elsewhere too. Could you see a scenario where one of these acting categories turns out like the best actress in 2021 my gut is saying best actor right now, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'm always for splits, you know this. So uh, I think like actor, I think it really kind of depends on um, what the Globes do because I do kind of feel like that's how all the rubber stamping begins really right um so if if they give it to bradley cooper i can see him sweeping honestly mm -hmm. but if they don't then you know um and actress uh will be interesting because you know like emma stone is in comedy and most of the other people are in drama we, we we talked about sweepers last week. I think we both said like Downey would maybe be the one, but I, even yeah. though Best Actress is so competitive, if it ended up being like, like none of us, we all have, I think we all have, we all, a lot of people have Emma Stone winning and she would be a very deserving winner, but I'm also like reticent to think that can happen based on like how the category, like last year at this time, I would have obviously said Kate Blanchett would have won. That said, if like she becomes like a steamroller, I think she's actually positioned to be the best one because she could win at SAG. She easily is going to win a gold globe. And of all these contenders, like I feel like BAFTA would be the, she would absolutely win at BAFTA based on like the movie. Yeah. And so she feels like she could plus win like at least one or one of the critics, major critics awards, maybe two. So it feels like she could actually be a sweeper, but I'm also not sure she's going to even win. So who knows, but yeah, like it's uh, like truly like an unbelievable performance in Core Things from her. And um, yeah, I think she she can easily sweep, but I, I can I agree. I also can see it not happening. Um, I think she has the globe obviously on lock. Um, I, I think she can win Critics' Choice, especially because they didn't give it to her last time for La La Land. Um, they gave it to Natalie Portman. So and yeah like like sag i can see her winning it's a very uh accessible performance and i think it's it's the type of role that any actor would dream of getting like the the stuff 
she gets to do with that role in that movie um and just really playing a character from like beginning of life <laughs> to not not end of life but you know you go through um the the character's growth um you know the character's reborn basically and just the choices she makes and you know what not everyone can do what she did in this role so I, we talked about this a little bit i was like we didn't talk about poor things though but and this is not a knock on marco quayley at all but when you when marco quayley's in the movie right doing kind of the same thing i'm like it actually made to me it made them a stone performance better because well marco quayley's fine Emma Stone is like well, yeah, and also Margaret's character is supposed to like be like subpar, basically. Like because yes. so she's, she's like playing the next, the, the next woman that Willem yes. reanimates. So. She's playing a copy of a copy, basically. But at the yeah, same time, like, but I do feel like that the way she does that is still not as good as the way Emma did it. Yeah. Um, purposefully, but like, yes, you do see like the differences yes. in there and all. So, so yeah, I think she can win SAG and we've said before, like SAG is probably the hardest for Lily to win because it's such a subtle performance. Yeah. But again, if she's just like the favorite all season, then she could probably win that too. <laughs> so what if, what if Annette wins SAG? Um, she could. Yeah. Good. So, um, I, I don't know. And, and then like supporting actress is like the wild west. <laughs> completely uh we have a few more emails here joyce this one's from sean emailed us at slugfestigolderby.com dear christopher and joyce longtime listener first time emailer no award season would be complete without the gold derby show i'm wondering if you think poor things has what it takes to win best picture we saw last year with everything ever all at once as well as the shape of water back in 2018 that the academy isn't afraid to vote for so-called weird films this year, many films in the Best Picture race have strong female leads, such as Barbie, Poor Things, Anatomy of All, Past Lives, and even co-leads in Maestro or Kill the Killers of the Flower Moon. Right now, it seems like Poor Things has the most critical acclaim of these films. And while Oscar voters are not critics, I'm left wondering if the film, including the love for Emma Stone and Yorgos Lanthimos, can ride its acclaim all the way to Best Picture. Do you have any thoughts about this? I think I have it in third right now. I believe I also have it in third. Um, I do think it can win Best Picture, though. Yes. Um, uh, I'm not going to go there yet because it's not out. Um, and I think it really kind of depends on the audience reaction to it. Um, obviously, it's gotten great reviews and reactions from festivals, as expected. And it is a, a great film. Um, yeah, I think it it would need to just kind of have that passion behind it. And I can see it igniting that type of passion too. Um, and also when it premiered at Venice, I'll, there were a lot of comparisons to Barbie because it's kind of like the B-side of Barbie. Yes. So I could see it kind of stealing some of Barbie's thunder as well. Uh, I have uh, Oppenheimer still in first same and i have american fiction in second and then poor things in third this is you putting american fiction in second this is the the one year anniversary mm -hmm. of you putting she said in second a year ago this is what you did this time he said it's a great movie I, here's what i'll say about american fiction we talked about this i think when we did our column the first column of our when we kicked off our award season here for oscars uh 
there's not re- where is the underdog where is the movie that's like everything everywhere or coda or whatever that people would want to root for that also says something right and i think american fiction is clearly of these movies that movie so i don't necessarily know if it's going to win and it would be a long way for it to win but i definitely think it's a very very strong movie especially if you're looking for like a movie people are going to root for that could also be poor things certainly um but american fiction is like that little movie that could i feel like is kind of like that yeah, because Four Things is a grander movie just on scale and scope. And and that could actually help it win too, because I was like, I actually think it'll have like a lot of international support too. And certainly like a lot of below the line support. It's going to get nominations all over the place. So I think like people will really love it and the entire Academy would be really behind it. So I do think that makes it good. Yeah, I can see yeah. like like Emma winning without the movie winning. Like, I don't think it, it needs to be a package deal. No, I, I agree. So. I agree. Especially because I think it's going to get like 10 nominations. So, yeah. and it should win at least one, if not two other Oscars besides Emma. Yeah, like it could clean up below the line. Yeah. So, um, and it could also win adapted screenplay. Like that's a tough category too. Did you put American fiction in first? I did. Like yeah. you said you were going okay. to? Of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is your American fiction stand account right now. What will you stand next week? Well, I haven't seen a lot. You'll, you'll be back on Flower Moon. I saw the third time choice. It was fucking great. Oh my yeah, God. You're going to put Leo in first. Lily Gladstone all the way, baby. Just like, that's it. Guarantee. Guarantee. That was fucking amazing. Scorsese is a god. Uh, what else we got here? Let me see. We got, we've gone on for so long. I have a few left though. This one I think is interesting. Let's do this and then I have like, Three or four quick hitters that I'll be able to take care of. This Love a lightning round. This is from Jordan. This is a little long, but I do think it's interesting. When discussing Oscars and film awards with others, a phrase that gets on my nerves is comedy performances never win, which is incredibly untrue. There have been many comedic performances that have won acting awards. Jack Nicholson is as good as it gets. Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost, Kevin Klein, A Fish Called Wanda, Maggie Smith in California Suite, John Gilgood and Arthur, Marissa Tomei and My Cousin Vinny, Octavia Spencer in The Help, Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and to extent, all three winners last year in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I personally felt Robin Williams should have been nominated for Mrs. Doubtfire and Jim Carrey should have won for The Truman Show. Diane Keaton's performance in Something's Gotta Give was my personal favorite in the category that year, and Jack Nicholson should have been nominated for Batman. Comedic performances tend to win two... uh, Comedy performances tend to win when they are in supporting because maybe it's felt like the weight of the movie isn't on their shoulders and they don't need a dramatic arc like the main character does. My question is this year that we could have three comedy performances win in the same year. Emma Stone for Poor Things, Ryan Gosling or Mark Ruffalo in Supporting Actor, and Danielle Brooks in Color Purple. When people say comedic performances never win, is it is a small-minded view? Comedy performances sometimes win. That's Jordan. Well, I would say that the last sentence is true. They sometimes win. And we all know, like, everyone's just being hyperbolic when we say they never win. It's just that, like, 95% of the time they don't win. <laughs> I, I also think there's a difference in people's minds between, like, when you say, com- like, I agree. Comedy, like, I think, like, I think, you know, comedy, I mean, like, like, pure comedy. Yes. Right. And a lot of these performances he mentioned are, have, a, like, strong comedic elements to it. I think that's but it's like inherently dramatic or there's a dramatic hook to the performance or the the movie itself like where you can kind of like overlook the comedy or it's like a plus for them like will ferrell will ferrell for me should have won for elf that's a comedic performance. performance like that's a comedy and like a comedy i think movie. ryan gosling and barbie 
like comedy movie comedy performance emma stone important things hilarious but i don't know if that's a full comedy movie no because it's it like it's it's funny and she does like she gets laughs um for sure but there is still a lot of heft and drama to her performance yes so i, I also think when people think comedy they think like you know like a a studio comedy or like yes. you know not yeah. and this is like not like a not a drama that's funny or like a comedy drama you know like these are a lot of a these dramedy. qualify i think for that a dramedy almost like a dramedy just um we could have though i mean emma stone is a funny performer and certainly i would say like in the vein of michelle yo same kind of level of comedy right in quotes yeah uh i didn't I guess I don't know much about Color Purple, Joyce, but I would, is Daniel Brooks playing a character that is, is super funny? I'm sure there's laugh elements in it based on the trailer. But... I've never seen the musical, yeah, so same. I I can't, I, I have no opinion. <laughs> I would say Devon Joy Randolph for holdovers could be considered comedy-ish. She has some great like one-liners. Yes. And singers, like I love, I guess maybe it's her last line in a movie. I just chuckled at it but she also has uh dramatic material really dramatic and then gosling or, or or ruffalo for barbie or poor things respectively are comedy performances though i would say de niro is also hilarious and kills flower moon in a different way so funny. even though he's like a playing a dark uh, uh, murdering psychopath basically can you when you see it again this weekend can you transcribe the scene outside the house when he's in the car De Niro's in the car. He's like about to leave town and he's like castigating Leo about not doing the thing. Any of this getting here? Is any of this yeah. making it through? Uh, I'll be curious I think about it in my head and I laugh. <laughs> I'll be curious to see if people laugh at the movie because I do think it's funny, but you're also not wanting to laugh because it's about uh, genocide, which is maybe- It, a, is, it is a funny movie. movie. It's kind of, it's like Goodfellas, um, except it's like about a real life historic. Which our pal, uh, the, the the Osage uh, language consultant was right in saying maybe it's not, maybe it should have been different, right? If our, for Osage people. Uh, based on mm. that um okay lightning round choice this one's near and dear to my heart so i was excited to read it karina wrote us at slugfisticolderby.com chris how is taylor swift the era's tour are you sad it's not eligible for the oscars and do you think it could win if it were joyce i'm holding you, up. you saw that wow did you get the bucket we didn't get the bucket we did they get the cup the buckets were out have you, what What are you using the cup for? Just as a cup or as like a pen holder? It's a pretty big cup. It's about yay big. Uh, and it's sitting on our counter right now. Not You also, this this was like your appetizer before the killer on Saturday. So Saturday afternoon, went whole family. We went to a local AMC theater, got the whole experience. Uh, Taylor Swift, the Eras tour. It's a three hour ordeal. It's like the Kills of Flower Moon for Taylor Swift fans. Uh, actually still 45 minutes shorter than Kills of Flower Moon, but- Close it's to like three just hours. shy of three hours. Uh, it was the loudest I've ever, uh, loudest movie I've ever heard. So what was, did your theater have like, you know, flashlights and sync that people, did you participate in a circle dance on the floor? No circle dancing in our theater, but it was crowded, not sold out. Uh, but the theater, I think was running it every hour. So like that probably helps. And uh, the girls in front of us, there was like a group of young girls. They were like holding up their phones or like kind of dancing and singing. The best part is because it's so fucking loud. Like you could just sing literally top volume and you wouldn't even hear it because the music in the movie was so loud. So I didn't really hear any other people singing, even if I was singing along or my daughter or my wife. Uh, but it was a great time at the movies. Um, 
would it win if it were eligible? I don't think so, but I do think it would get nominated for something if it were. I could, I was like, I was going to make the case for best sound. I actually think the sound is like incredible mix. And I was going to say, if it's a fake documentary or whatever, it could maybe get in, even though that branch is crazy. Fake documentary. Well, I think the Critics' Choice Awards, didn't they put it down for a documentary or something? Yeah. I, well, for that's that's their documentary awards. They're separate. Right. They have the documentary awards and the super yes. awards. They have so, so they got they got her in there. Uh, I would say like, you know, I'm not the biggest concert movie fan. Like I know people will be like, oh, the last waltz or like, you know, stop making sense. I'm like, you know what it is? It's a concert. So if you like the music from the band, you'll like them. Like, I don't like, I think that people often like, like I see this, like I saw people critiquing the Taylor movie. I maybe it was honestly maybe Richard Brody or who even I don't even know who it was, but it was like it doesn't really say anything about her or like this. And I'm like, do any of these movies like I know people love The Last Waltz. I've seen it. I do love it too. But I'm like, is it really saying anything? Are these movies really saying anything? Or they're just like, here's this great music, like watch it. You know what it's I mean? It's a like, concert film, and it's like. So I think you're projecting your own in like the music maybe says something, but I also think Taylor Swift's music says something. So to me, I thought it was really good and I enjoyed watching it. Uh, would see it again whenever it's streaming. Um, I'll probably never see it. So but. just great. I really love going through the eras of Taylor. It was a lot of fun. What's your favorite era? Well, it's tough to figure out. I was trying to think. I love Reputation. Uh, mm -hmm. Love 1989. I actually, let me look on my phone. I'm going to open up my phone because I'm going to look at the... Uh, I'm surprised you have not ranked her eras. It's tough. I just think it's like a lot of... So she opens with Lover. This is spoilers for Eras Tour. I don't want to get yelled at. She opens with Lover, then does a few from the first album. Uh, or the second album, I guess. Then Evermore, Reputation, Speak Now, which got the, the short end of the stick. Only two songs in the show and only one in the movie uh red how do you feel about the the songs that she cut from the movie i mean i think that's fine honestly people were mad about that but i yes, could i get it i've heard the songs uh i really loved um what was the other uh folklore great 1989 great and then the new one is great too so i just like all her errors i guess but i i did like the reputation era i thought that was pretty good or maybe red because they get uh all all too well in red i've never heard the 10 minute version so it's great can't get enough. Uh, next up, this one's uh, this one's from Caitlin Joyce, who emailed us at slugfestivalgolderby.com. Who has seen Top Gun Maverick more times, you, Chris, or Timothy Chalamet? He's seen it eight times. Man, the God Timothy. What a great week for Timothy Chalamet. There's an actor strike, and you know what? He's still making headlines, which I love. He interviewed Martin Scorsese. He said he saw Top Gun eight times. Listen, the issue is going to come out when it comes out. So uh, He got... Tom Cruise emailing him about a dance man and a, a stunt man he's, and training. He's inspired by Austin Butler. Come on. Man, I love, I, I gotta say, I love Timothy Chalamet. I just love him. I think he's like really fun. And I watched, I, I you know, the other trailer we saw at uh, Taylor Swift was Wonka, which I'm like, you know what? Let's go. Bring the fan. Future Golden Globe nominee, Timothy Chalamet for Wonka. I seen Top Gun Maverick. Let's look at Letterbox Choice, where I'm on there. Oh God, you log that too. I log everything. I'm on a letterbox at Chris J. Rosen. Follow me there for all my thoughts. Let's see. I've seen this movie four times. Wow, only half. So huh. Timothy Shelby's seen it more. Huh. Uh, I saw it on May, on May 10th, 2022, May 31st, 2022, November 4th, 2022, and January 24th, 2023. Are you going to see it again before the year is over? I don't think so. 
uh, I just have so much I want to watch. He says as he's about to see like Kills Without Room for a third time. Uh, um, wow, I can't believe he's seen it more times than you. He has. I don't believe he's seen it eight times. Well, he also said he this was all during Dune too, and then he bought out a whole theater to he did to the cast and crew to see it. Um, and now he's best friends with Tom Cruise. So, and he's doing dancing in old Hollywood. They would have teach you how to dance. It's just, I think we talked about this last year with Top Gun and how, you know, it's basically like a metaphor for like, it's like, you know, Tom Cruise is the last movie star and it's him. And people talked about this when that first clip of him and and, uh, Ed Harris was released in, I guess, uh, 2019, four years ago (laughs) at Comic-Con when it's just like, it's a metaphor for him being like, you know, it's not today. Like, I'm not, I'm not done yet. And it's like, now that he's like passing his words of wisdom and advice onto Timothy Chalamet. It's like, no one else is gonna make you do these things. So you have to learn all these tricks of the trade like they did in old Hollywood. I'm, I'm ex- I like, Timothy could be like, he's a good guy to have, I think it's like the future Tom Cruise, right? I don't know. Sure. This one's a little newsy, Joyce. Uh, Daniel wrote in yesterday after this broke, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon. This came in. Uh, now that Bike Riders has been delayed, do you think it will be released in time for it to be considered for this award season? Or do you, and do you think other films will follow suit and be pushed in light of the actor's strike? So yeah, bike rider's choice. Yeah. It was a uh, scheduled for December 1st. Yeah. And I then, loved it. So I didn't tell you, right? Now, well, now if it doesn't come out this year, then you're, you're one of the lucky ones who has seen uh, it. <laughs> my 2024 best movies of the year list is already stocked full up. I got that potentially and Hitman potentially, because I don't think that's coming out this year either. Um, yeah, but that's not surprising. That was never scheduled for this year. Uh, so. Hitman, great movie. Just great. Uh, well, so for bike riders, uh, the streets say that they're still, they still want it out this year to qualify. So as, as I was saying before, like, so they could still do like the limited last week of December and then wide in January. So I guess I could see that that's obviously what they said, right? Like that was like in the uh, THR piece and was like their exclusive or whatever. And like, clearly that's what they got from on background from the studio or whatever, new Regency or whoever said this. But I was just like to pull it off the schedule so dramatically and to get those headlines then to like three weeks from now, be like, actually just kidding. We're going to put it out on December 25th or December 31st or whatever it is. It just seems not realistic to me, but I guess I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, I, I would say like, like they could just move the date then right now, you know? They would have just like, pushed it back, right? Right, because it, it like this move would make more sense had it happened like last month, you know, yes, when it's exactly. like we're, uh, you know, based on these reactions from Telluride, whatever, like we're going to move it back three weeks. um, And now- you know, the reason for the postponement is because of the actor strike. And again, we need the actors promoting this movie for it to be successful. And that's what they say, right? But I'm like, like we said, there's a lot of these movies. Like, I don't like Daniel's asking what else we think is going to move. I think not a single thing is going to move. No, I I think, I I feel like, you know, like those, the movies that have moved already, like Dune and- Challengers. Challengers, yeah. Zendaya, poor Zendaya. you know, they, they already moved. And I feel like that, like that, that was months ago now. So it's like, they, the studios already had the long view of it. And then there was, you know, remember the questions about like color purple, is it going to move as well? And when the producer says like, no, we're staying. 
So I don't think any of those are moving. Like, you know, we've seen some move up, like Saltburn is coming out earlier now. And then um, American Fiction moved back, but it's still coming out in December. I, again, I'm not, not to speak ill or I, I'm not to, to doubt anybody's intentions, but I was like, based on, uh, I, Bike Riders is a great movie, but I don't think a lot of people had it high up on their predictions charts in, in any category. No. But I do think it's a movie that could do really well as a movie. Yeah. And movies, movies should just exist to exist and for people to watch and enjoy. And so if Bike Riders ends up coming out in March, around the time Dune comes out and Austin Butler is everywhere and you've got all these great people in it and they're able to promote it and it's like gets another splashy relaunch at South by Southwest where Jeff Nichols has had success before and all these different things. All of a sudden, it's like a movie that people actually go and see, maybe not necessarily for awards, but it's like a real movie that people want to see. So I, I would not be surprised if that ends up happening. That said, they say they want to get it out for the end of the year. And I guess if the actors strike, we're recording this on Wednesday, by some miracle, they get back to the table this week and then wrap everything up in a week. Listen, Clooney and Ben, they want to talk to the SAG leadership. So they just want to hear what's going on. They just want to check. What in. happened? How did, how did things break down? We like, we know why. We just want to check in, see what's going on. Uh, I, I will say we, last week when we recorded this, I felt so silly because we were like, I mean, it's been so great. And they're like not fighting with each other. And then literally that night, uh, it was just like, fuck you. No, fuck you. We're out. And that was it. I was like, okay. I mean, listen, again, what I've been saying is like, they have until basically the end of this month. I get the sense the that they're, I, I kind of think they won't get through. I, I, I kind of feel like now it's going to go into Well, January. it broke down real bad. Now we know. Real bad. I think it's going to be January now. Yeah, because like, like, they're, they're going to, you know, all, all the suits. Time for the holidays. Go to Aspen. I think if it goes in, will, when will the Oscars move? Or will it move? I mean, if it's resolved in January, I don't think it's going to move. Okay. So... You could you could ask if any of the January awards. Do you think they're gonna move? SAG would. Um, well, SAG is in um, February, okay. so they have extra time. Critics' but, like, Choice and Critics' and Choice Globes, Globes. And Emmys, Martin Luther King Day. Emmys, they're not gonna move again. Remember the Emmys, Joyce. Love the Emmys. Uh, La- last question here. This one's uh, this one's a fun one, Joyce, because we were talking American Fiction released a trailer this week. Uh, great trailer, really fun, and the movie better than the trailer. I would say that was my take. Yes. Here's Holly wrote to us at Gold uh, Slugfest at Goldderby.com. Hi, Chris and Joyce, big fan. Uh, just finished watching the American Fiction trailer. Uh, I have to ask, why did we let Adam Brody have that hair in this movie? Um, because uh, first of all, Adam Brody is hilarious in this movie. He has two scenes, kills them, murders them completely. And the hair is befitting the character he plays. Completely right. Uh, it's funny, if you've seen the trailer, you've actually seen Adam Brody's two scenes. Yes, they're obviously longer in the movies, yes. but those are his two scenes. <laughs> but man, is he funny. And actually his, I won't spoil like anything about the movie because it doesn't come out like we said for three, two months basically. But uh, man, the stuff with his character, I found hilarious and uh he's great with his dirty hair his dirty greasy slick yeah he's he's supposed to be a like a sleaze ball basically so uh it's great but i understand you know we we don't want seth cohen looking like this obviously so no it it definitely was like definitely looked not great for seth but it's the character that's how he's a good that's how you know he's a good actor 
he's willing to have that hair. So. Uh, so if you like these emails, you can email us at slugfest at goldderby.com. If I did not get to your email, and there are a lot I didn't get to, Joyce, because we had so many emails. And I will we promise... We went as long as Killers of the Flower Moon. It right? feels like we did. Uh, but I don't think we did. Um, but if you emailed us, I will. I promise you I'll read this at a later date. Uh, not all of them, though, but most of them. Uh, so keep on listening. And I guess back, Joyce will be back next week with my third time to charm with Killers of the Flower Moon. And what else? Yeah, why... Killers of Time Moon will sweep. Like 12 <laughs> for 12. Joyce, let me tell you, Lily Gladstone, clearly winning best actress, best friend. He's going to win. Like, De Niro's going to win his third. Marty's going to win. I really think Leo Cohen, too, second one. I just think, yeah, that absolutely is going to happen. And let me tell you all Thelma the other editing. <laughs> Thelma, amazing. Love her third Oscar for whatever. Jack Fisk. <laughs> Finally. His and her Oscars for Jack and Sissy. So, Scorsese winning. It's going to be great. I'm just going to go right through. Uh, All right. Well, we'll look forward to that then. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby.